0: Welcome to Better Relationships, Better Life, a podcast where you'll gain insights from relationship experts and entrepreneurial couples who have moved through conflict and into a better life. Crack the clarity code and create deeper connections beyond the messiness of relationships. Here's your host, Judy K. Herman. Before we begin, if you're looking for a speaker for your next event, I would love to support you and your organization. Just go to JudySpeaker.com. In today's episode, our guest is mediation professional, Doug Knoll, as he addresses groundbreaking science to heal emotional abuse. Hang on with this lively conversation and challenges in previous ways we've been taught to handle conflict from the courtroom to maximum security prisons, Doug brings healing and hope to couples with his breakthrough research and methodology. If you can, you'll want to take notes on this one. Let's listen in. This is better relationships, better life. My name is Judy Herman and I am so glad you joined because I have a guest, special guest who is totally not in my field as a mental health counselor or or um so anyway i wanted to introduce you to doug knoll he is a remarkable man and in a field legally and you've written some books doug and i'm just reading all of your the things about your bio you've gone through a lot of versions of yourself haven't you over the years
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i have I, i kind of think that i like to think of it as growth you stop going <laughs> you start dying right So yes I've reinvented myself many times.
0: Yeah because you're no longer practicing as an attorney, correct?
1: Correct I left the practice of law in 2000. Um, I we can talk about how that happened but but ultimately I, I, I went I actually went back to school in my mid in my late 40s entered my master's degree in peacemaking and conflict studies and then left the practice of law in 2000 and become a peacemaker and mediator. And so I was a professional mediator, I still am a professional mediator, but then um, life has a funny way of opening up things for you. I discovered a really powerful technique that we'll talk about later about how to calm people down. And that ultimately led to a uh, colleague of mine, Laurel Carfer and I starting the Prison at Peace Project in 2010 and since then we've been training lifers and long-termers and maximum security prisons around the world how to stop prison violence.
0: That Uh, is amazing. Like, that is amazing. So you might be asking if you're tuning in right now, Better Relationships, Better Life, why am I having a guest that has all of these credentials of going into the prisons, right? And really experiencing the darkness of humanity, right? And it's because in our marriages and in our relationships, we have this, we have elements of it, we have versions of it, don't we, Doug?
1: Absolutely. Uh, And I have helped a lot of couples um restore that i have some really beautiful stories of how people have taken the stuff that i teach which arises from my profession as a peacemaker and have completely restored their relationships where they thought there was no hope uh, it's amazing wow. and it's, not, it's not difficult to learn these skills either
0: wow well i was watching uh one video one video that you had and it was on the um The theme of you know how to de-escalate how to calm another human being an angry person in 90 seconds or less now when i read the title of that now i've got four grand or five grandchildren rather i can imagine doing that with my little two-year-old granddaughter if she's upset and i'm just holding her and breathing with her but how do you do that with an adult that is out of control and is there a difference between anger Versus rage and uh, these different levels of anger.
1: Okay, so let's start with (laughs) difference between children and adults. (laughs) All right. Yeah, Uh, yeah. When 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 adults are angry, as you know, ninety-six percent of families are emotionally dysfunctional. They grow emotionally dysfunctional adults. We were all in that situation. I was emotionally dysfunctional. I suspect you were probably emotionally dysfunctional until you started doing a lot of inner work. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And. Most people, most adults are in physical bodies with the emotional competency of a six year old.
0: Mm. Uh, Whoa, that's amazing. Say that most, again because I want people most, to get this. Most
1: most I would say 90 All of a sudden people just wait for the <laughs> calling me. Sorry. Um <laughs> uh, hey, this is real uh, life. Um, <laughs> So most adults, and by that I mean well over ninety percent of adults in the world, are yeah. Is that
0: adults? Let me back up for a moment. Is that adults at a certain age?
1: I would say anybody over eighteen years old.
0: Okay, wow. And
1: I, my and I see this over and over again in my work as a peacemaker. But 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 the but the this is not me talking. This is lots of therapists like you, people who've done the research, mm-hmm. are, that we, that were in adult bodies. But we are in emotionally, we have the emotional competence of a six, six-year-old. Mm-hmm. When we get mm-hmm. stuck. Um, there's a really great, uh, how come I can't remember his name? He's in Vancouver, British Columbia. Brilliant childhood development psychologist who studied mm-hmm. this stuff. And he, um, Gordon, um, I'll remember his name. Um, but the point is that when people get angry, really angry, they revert back to where they were emotionally stuck. -hmm. And that's why you see a forty-year-old acting like a six-year-old.
0: Now that's with uncontrolled anger, right? Because every one of us have anger in our bodies, right? There's also things that like flow through the bloodstream. Yeah,
1: we have, uh, yeah. (laughs) So that it's it's a little more complex than that. But (laughs) anger, we can have trade anger and we can have incidental anger. Trade Mm -hmm. anger is where we're just kind of we tend to have uh, uh, a low trigger threshold. We tend to be angry at lots of little things. Um, usually that's PTSD related, usually childhood abuse. And, and this is the other thing that's really scary is that most parents deeply abuse their children emotionally and they don't even know it. Mm, mm-hmm. Let me talk about that just for a second and we'll cycle anger and the anger emotions. So yeah. there, so do you remember when you were a little girl and you were maybe two or three years old and you're running around outside and you fell over and scraped your knee with a little blood and you started to cry. Remember that?
0: No, honestly, no, I don't, but I'm yeah. sure it did happen. Well,
1: <laughs> most people will remember that uh-huh. something profound happened when you start to cry. What do the adults around you start telling you to do?
0: I'm going to tell you as a little girl, uh, I know little boys are raised differently, but little girls, oh, honey, let me t- comfort you. So that's what I would remember. I think in my subconscious, I'd right. have to ask my mom. <laughs> some,
1: some you know, and let me comfort you.
0: Ah stop
1: crying or it's not that big a deal or it doesn't hurt or the pain's going to go away or be a big girl totally abusive that is invalidating for little boys it's worse be a big boy don't cry big boys don't cry don't be a girly girl don't be a sissy we are taught from the time we are two years old all the way through adulthood that emotions are bad
0: now, yeah. let me, I'm going to hold this because this is pretty profound what you're saying, Doug. It is. Is is. Do you think that it has changed, like, say, from the 1950s where the whole culture is saying children are be seen, not heard, versus in the here yeah. and now, and people have access to to how to parent? You don't think it's changed at all? I know
1: it hasn't because I teach workshops where I have young adults on the workshops, and I ask them about their upbringing. And then I ask them how many times have you done this to your kids? And they all raise their hands and say, I do it every day.
0: Mm-hmm. And you make it emotionally safe while you're teaching that for them to say that, right? Because so many people like are hearing this message and are probably cringing at it.
1: Right, and they're, and the, all of a sudden people feel really guilty and shamed by the fact that they're abusing their children. They don't know any better. This is all new science. It's less than 15 years old. Wow. So So, wow. So let me, so the problem is we have this emotional invalidation going on where we're telling children not to have feelings. And the reason we do it is one, we don't know any better Two, It's what we were taught by our parents and three, and most importantly, we're soothing our own anxiety.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And I tell it because kids. They don't have the emotional regulation some oh, of them come yeah. out and they're very like and, and you and you say stop crying you, that's you you don't have anything to cry about right they'll say that and that is abusive you're saying it is it's abusive. abusive
1: because and i'll explain why but basically we're doing it because the ch- child's unregulated emotions are making us feel anxious mm-hmm. and the one thing a human being cannot stand is anxiety so we will do anything to get rid of the anxiety and so there's a perverse kind of unconscious logic that says if i child if i tell you to stop feeling an emotion then i'll feel better myself because i won't experience anxiety and so if we're yeah. untrained and we're not emotionally competent we're going to tell a child not to feel an emotion in order for us to feel better
0: now and- you're you're claiming in your book that you can do that in 90 seconds to an angry person that's an adult how is that done
1: well okay so here's I mean how- you
0: probably want to get me some backstory so I'm I'm, gonna, I'm, i i to get it. to the i want to get to the good stuff
1: I want to lay the foundation to understand that why this is so powerful and so profound For working with children or working in a relationship mm. or working in a prison, it doesn't matter. Everybody has experienced emotional invalidation. Nobody experiences emotional safety. People wow.
0: Become- that's a, So how are right, Doug, here's, here's what I'm, I want to ask you this. Question. I got the
1: antidote. We'll get there. <laughs>
0: I know, but you know what you said? And like this is kind of like a gut punch. I'm a mother of four kids who are now grown, there, and I've got five grandkids. And I'm like, this is a gut punch. How do you keep? And and so yeah, I'll let it, you go on. But it really is.
1: This is radical thinking. It's based on new science. But now we understand that very, very few families provide emotional safety to their children.
0: Mm. And they okay claim that they do. Emotional. They me? claim that they do. Right.
1: They claim they do. They claim to have loving, I'm um, a loving parent. And they are for many reasons, but emotionally they create unsafe. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen a, a, a child withdraw or a teenager, a withdrawn defensive teenager? Mm-hmm. Or have of you ever course. seen adults who are emotionally unavailable or emotionally defensive? Of course, all the time. All the time. Why mm-hmm. is that? They are emotionally unsafe. They have never lived in an emotionally safe environment. The only safety they know is to put walls around them mm-hmm. to protect them from the emotional harm and injury that they suffer at the hands of people they love or the people that love them.
0: Mm -hmm. So that the only
1: coping mechanism they have is to withdraw or become defensive or to get angry, to lash out.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: that's the evidence that supports the idea that first, families are emotionally dysfunctional dysfunctional, and second, they're emotionally unsafe. And it it starts with this emotional invalidation that goes on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Have you you heard of the uh, Kaiser Permanente ACEs study out of California?
0: Uh, yeah. I, I might have, but you might have to just grab okay. this. Adverse, scrambles adverse
1: Childhood Experiences study out of San Diego. It's, it's, a, it's a long-term longitudinal study of Kaiser, Kaiser Permanente patients in San Diego County, which is middle class and upper middle class for the most part. It's good. They've got their poverty too. But, mm-hmm. but what they found is that if a child has three or more adverse childhood experiences, which I'll define in a moment, then they are 10 times more likely to smoke, be drug addicted, have depression, and diet at an early age of cancer, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, cancer, diabetes, obesity, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. What are the adverse childhood experiences? There are nine of them, of which of the nine, there are two that are physical, obviously physical abuse and sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. The rest are all emotional.
0: Mm-hmm. And we'll have some show notes and some links uh, so people can look this up as it's well.
1: Google ACEs study, that's all, yeah. I, it's, it's all over the place. It's yeah. really James Perliti and all his, and it was a lead researcher on it. and it's phenomenal if you want to scare yourself about upbringing
0: well that is scary I And mean, how, how can we keep from piling upon piling upon piling guilt upon parents because okay so here's
1: here's the antidote okay the antidote is to validate emotions instead of invalidate emotions
0: and i wholeheartedly i will say amen to that doug i will say amen to that because there are reasons that these are triggered. There are reasons they're there. Mo- emotions are valuable. Even in counseling, I'm telling you some of my secrets anyway, that we will actually name, give a name to the emotion. It's That's like it. I see emotions as temporary messengers to your soul. Like they're not there for no reason. They're there for a reason. Listen to them, honor them. Take your deep breath, right? Well. air. All right, yeah. but there's more to your story. Uh, <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. Take a deep breath. Uh, here, here, well, all right, I, I want to explain how to do it, but also I want to say that as a peacemaker and a mediator, I get called into really deep, intractable conflicts where emotions are so strong that people would rather shoot each other than sit at the table and talk. Wow. I had to come up with a way for people to calm down and be able to talk through their problems. And nothing that I learned as a lawyer and nothing that I learned in my very advanced master's degree program prepared me for dealing with strong emotions because the knowledge wasn't out there. Wow. I became a student of neuroscience and studied under John Wallman at Caltech University. And ultimately um, I stumbled on this idea of affect labeling. And then in 2007, Matthew Lieberman, a neuroscientist at UCLA, did the brain scanning studies that showed why ethic labeling works so now we have brain science to support this and then the work of lisa feldman barrett who's a neuroscientist out of northeastern university with her constructed theory of emotions gives us the theoretical foundation for why this idea that i'm about to talk about really works this is hard science this Mm. is not this is not the old Gordian active listening crap from the 1950s and 60s, or Marshall Rosenberg's nonviolent communication. None of that stuff works. It never has worked. Using I statements doesn't work. It never has worked, um, and yet it's still taught today, which I've got a niece who's finishing up her PsyD at Fuller, and she's been taught to use I statements when reflecting, and I just shake my head and said, what are your, what are you, your professors are back in the dark ages
0: wow, yeah. doug, i'm I'm That's noticing important. I'm noticing even across the screen because I do this all the time when I'm seeing counselors, there is a tremendous amount of passion that you have. There is no question you believe and are and are in your in your zone in talking about this because well,
1: it's because i've I've mediated thousands and thousands of conflicts. I've taught over ten thousand life inmates how to stop violence, and they have stopped violence. Mm. And I have reports from. Thousands and thousands of students around the world that I've taught over the years these techniques that report back how it's absolutely transformed their lives and it's all based mm-hmm. on science. So here's how you do it. it it's easy to describe. I'm it.
0: waiting for this. I'm it's waiting for this drum roll.
1: <laughs> it's easy. My drum roll.
0: Let's listen. I, go, I can't wait to hear that. It's
1: but not so easy to implement, and I'll explain okay. why. All
0: right. Step
1: number one: Whenever you're confronted with somebody who's angry, I don't care whether you have a two-year-old who's in a tantrum or a forty-year-old who's having a tantrum. Or that
0: kind of looks the same so many We're times doesn't it the
1: <laughs> you the first thing you do is you ignore the words mm. you've got to you've got to go against your programming about listening to people and you just can't listen to them their words have no meaning
0: now how right. do you do that how right. do you not listen to the words
1: practice you just you, you force yourself to not hear the words it just That's becomes kind of- white noise
0: Okay. And this right. is a little
1: hard because we've been conditioned to, that words are the most important part of communication, but as we know from uh Misrabian study back in the 1960s, 94% of all human communication is nonverbal. Only 6% is verbal. We can ignore the words. There's no information there that we need to pay attention to. We've heard those angry words before.
0: Well, There's, let me let me hold something. Here. Let me hold something. You're about to share this technique um, and do you see this? Like I, I call it the reptilian brain. A lot of people call it the reptilian brain. They're showing up like a reptile. Fight, fight, gotta stop that- that.
1: I got. I got to stop you.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! You're kidding me.
1: I, I'm going to tell you right now. Anybody who uses that terminology around me, I immediately discount. As they don't know what they're talking about. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay. 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 So the idea of the reptilian brain, the paleomammalian brain, and the neomammalian brain. Everybody talks about the reptilian, but they don't talk about the two other brains. That came from a, a researcher at the National Institutes of Health, a guy by the name of Paul McLean. Okay. He's dead now. He formulated the, this idea of three different brains back in the 1950s as a way of trying to describe how evolution created and moved through the phylogeny and ontogeny of human brain development. It turns out there is no science to support his ideas. So when you talk about the reptilian brain, there is no such thing as the reptilian brain. There's no such thing as the paleomammalian brain. There's no such thing as the neomammalian brain. Yes, different brain parts evolved over many, many m- millennia. Uh, and the human brain is quite new. Well, relatively new, about 200,000 200, years old. 200, yeah, you know, about that. Um, maybe a little older than that. But but this whole idea of the reptilian brain, that's all crap. <laughs>
0: oh, god. <Doug. laughs> Doug, and So anybody- All right, you're going to have to bust through some things here. All <laughs> right, you're going to have to bust through some things. I'm
1: sorry but the science just isn't there. <laughs> oh
0: goodness. All right. All right well- so
1: so let's get back to let's get back to we've got we got angry words. Somebody's really fighting anger. We're going to ignore those words.
0: And they're not in a, uh, do, do you consider they're in a fight fight freeze mode I don't care, with I don't
1: care where they are cuz they could be in grief. I mean it, it doesn't matter what the emotion is.
0: Okay.
1: They could be happy. You can do this with happiness too. It works. It works. No, It doesn't matter what the emotion is. I should, okay, <laughs> let me describe the technique and then I'm going to, I'm going to, I will I'll, try I'll not to interrupt. But remember, Judy, we are not born with emotions. Humans are not born with emotions. That's really important to understand. We are born Whoa, with-
0: whoa, whoa, wait, wait. I got to, I got to <laughs> wrap my head around this one. I got to wrap my head around this and I have yep, four kids. No, are not born with those- emotions. <laughs> babies are emotions. emotions. Emotion. Okay. Babies have
1: affect. They do not have emotions. Dogs have affect. Dogs do not have emotions. All
0: right, oh, you're gonna here. Let's do a simple definition. Okay. Between an affect so, and emotions.
1: So affect is the biophysiological reaction in the brain, in with different neuron circuits, depending upon what the affect is, to create pain or pleasure, basically, uh, depending upon which. Theorists you follow and I happen to use the model by, developed by psychologist, Sylvan Tompkins. There are one, two, three, or nine affects. I use the nine affect model that Tompkins developed in the, six, in, the in the 1960s. His so so
0: is, what is the difference then between an affect and, and, and an emotion. emotion?
1: All right, so affect, there are affect is either positive, negative, or neutral. So it's got three valences. An affect has intensities of arousal, uh, weak, moderate, or intense. You've got nine affects. So, for example, fear, fear, uh, anger, rage is an affect. Fear is an affect. Disgust is an affect. Shame, humiliation is an affect. So you can experience all of these different affects in different intensities and different valences all at the same time. So every emotion is a very is a complex, think of an artist palette where we've got primary colors. Those are our affect. Emotions are what happens when we all these different pa- colors, emotional colors are mixed together in the moment.
0: And well, we, I got it back up. I got it back up. <laughs> did Disney have it right when they did the, no. uh, oh, Okay. What was the, uh, what was the name of that? Inside um,
1: Out, I think it was called. What is it? Inside Out.
0: Yeah, inside out, you're saying Disney got it wrong.
1: Totally. It's a great metaphor, but it's totally wrong.
0: Okay. Totally wrong. Totally wrong. Wow. Doug, I had no idea this conversation seem, would no. such.
1: So what, how we think we are <laughs> is not how we really are, quite frankly. So okay. we got all this, we got the affect.
0: All all right.
1: right. So, so what we have to learn starting at about this, when we start to verbalize at about mm-hmm. 18 months as little toddlers, we have to learn how to take that affect and construct abstract concepts of these, all these thousands of different combinations of affect into, into what we call a cognitive or emotional database. And the degree to which we can categorize affect is a large degree depend, a large degree determines how emotionally competent we become as adults so this is where we get into the problem with emotional invalidation if we're told not to experience an emotion we never have the opportunity to take the uh, affective experience we're having say anger rage mixed in with shame humiliation mixed in with disgust mixed in with fear and find and 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 build a, a working vocabulary that describes that affective experience
0: okay so let me back up a little bit let's see if you see if i'm summarizing you correctly and following you correctly because you're saying there's a difference between affect and emotions and that we are born with uh, babies are not born with emotions but they are born with affect and you are under the camp of that there are nine uh constructs of affect and um and part of that is is pleasure or pain and then there's there's seven others besides that. Is that what
1: you're well, saying? Well, they, 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 they divide into pleasure and pain. We only have three, two positive affects, one neutral affect and six negative affect.
0: Okay. And you're saying that those are not emotions. Babies are born with this. We're innately born with this. And then we, by the time we're what you said three or two or something. Uh, we we're start developing,
1: to... we start developing our emotional database at about 18 months. It's, it's developing before that, but the emotional centers of the brain don't really mature until about 18 months.
0: Okay, so the emotional centers of the brain then developing at about eighteen months. At the same time, we
1: start to verbalize, start to talk at around eighteen months,
0: okay. and
1: and then and now we we are able to start constructing concepts of emotion that relate to various affective experiences we're
0: having. So all emotions are going to be linked back to one of these nine affects. You're That's saying. Correct. And now so when the, babies come out and they're crying and they feel hunger, uh, that's not an emotion. That's that's like that's they feel effect. the pain. They, it's one of the it's affects, distra- right? It, yeah,
1: it could be distress. It could be anger. It could be fear. But that's the pain. It's it's probably distress, that which is an affect. Mm-hmm so
0: let me write this down okay so i mean well we can have them in the notes show notes so name what those nine are but you said that there's other theories about what they are but you no, okay. see if
1: i see if i can remember them all, all the top so we have happiness
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we have happiness joy and we is have that spite- the,
0: is happiness joy the same thing yeah it's the same, of, it's, okay. it's the same kind
1: of okay affective experience of a of, of, of pleasure
0: but these are the things that the inside out movie did did address like yeah, these are the aspects you know,
1: it's i don't well, wanna, i don't want to critique of the movie it's that, it's, that
0: might be another conversation i'm still it. wanting to know how you handle 90 seconds how to handle something there.
1: <laughs> there's a foundational knowledge that is very different than what we think we know about
0: well there's, i tell you what i'm learning a lot here okay so we've got distress we've got anger we've got fear we got happiness joy okay we have so
1: let me a, let's just work positives are happiness joy and excitement those mm-hmm. are our two positives neutral is surprise startle okay then i see if i can remember all six we got uh fear terror anger rage distress. fear,
0: uh, fear terror is the same category right okay fear and yep. terror
1: right it's sort all of right. right we have fear terror we have distress and,
0: we but have, you said anger rage too is a, is an anger is rage
1: a, is an affect okay hardwired into us these are all hardwired. we in each of these affects we can see different parts of the brain that are associated with these different affects okay so we got i said distress um disgust. anger
0: rage fear okay so distress anger rage fear terror and then there's happiness joy excitement of the two positives and then you said there's a surprise startle as one you're
1: confusing me i got it. here. let's go through the negative <laughs> <laughs> so i don't forget them
0: I okay. want to be a good student, Doug. I want to be a good anger,
1: student. Anger, rage, <laughs> fear, terror, distress, shame, humiliation, disgust, and to smell. To smell is the with the experience of smelling spoiled milk, for example. These are all affective experiences that have been established to be associated with certain brain circuits, and and uh, physiolog I mean uh, anatomical parts of the brain. And we're born with all that. We're born with this stuff. It's hardwired into us.
0: So by the time we're 18 months old, and we're now
1: beginning to associate the physical feelings or the feelings we have within us, the physical experiences of all these affective experiences and putting them into words, into an emotional database.
0: Okay. And so I think what I'm hearing too, I want to really get this, that the difference between the affects and the emotions is perhaps that uh, child's awareness, or how it affects the body, like these affects, these constructs that are affects that you're that you're born with, are, are like now associating or with, with physical body reactions, and then you're putting this in this database, and by a child time, a child's trying to learn how to walk or or talk. Right. that they're trying to and that's where you're saying they get invalidated
1: they get invalidated
0: okay gotcha. so that
1: process is never completed which creates the stuckedness at say six years old where people never mature beyond six years old emotionally
0: right because what you're, we're dealing with this is we're dealing with um trauma not being heard understood which is is a exactly. very it's exactly. a very human primal need for all of us is to be heard exactly. and understood. Right. Exactly and so we're not getting those needs met by the time we're like six years old. Then you're saying, because we haven't, that most people get stuck. And then that's why as adults, no matter what age they are, they are what you call, what some have called is arrested development. Is that that's kind correct. of what you're saying? Okay, good. I wanted it's to get all over... this in, in some language here that that's I that my, I wanted my listeners to hear. That's yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So,
1: so let's continue on. So, so, um, The reason that this becomes important is to understand why emotions are so important. Emotions allow us to concretize affective experience into consciousness. So we can become aware that we're having an affective experience. Emotions allow us to do that. If we just had the affective experience, all we would do is be feeling the anger, feeling the distress, feeling, but we wouldn't be able to describe it. So it concretizes it into consciousness. It allows us to draw inferences about cause and effect, which has caused me to be so pissed off, and it allows us, most importantly, to communicate our experience to another human.
0: And which, okay, so emotions
1: are so critical.
0: That's why this whole human journey of coming packaged with emotions and those developing is, yeah, those emotions serve a purpose of knowing what we want or what we don't want um and and so when those are
1: makes it pay attention to our environment
0: right and and so most people you're saying are are not getting these met needs met and then they're raising their children and now we are talking about doug i really want to bring up this concept of um neurogenesis because the things that we're dealing with in the here and now um neuro neuroscience wise you're probably familiar with that term I'd imagine mm-hmm. it's like it's not just in the here and now but it's been passed down from generation to generation That's right. so the we're, what we're dealing with as far as a person's anger ability to like regulate or not is not just them. it's like we're breaking through a lot of things so, aren't we?
1: absolutely I mean if you, <clears throat> I can't tell you how many incarcerated people I worked with when they described their family backgrounds they said that we only had one emotion in our family it was anger and rage. That's all they ever learned. And it's been going on for generations.
0: Which actually that's what they believe. Well, but sure. that's right. But that's not like that's been their but, experience. So in other words, yeah, that's their experience. And so they're not even a whole human being that's moving and along I mean, in this world, why which ma- why it lands them in jail or prison or whatever.
1: I mean, maximum security prison. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So so here's the thing. There have you heard the term alexithemia before?
0: I probably have not. I'm learning a whole lot. <laughs> okay, so, <alexithemia, laughs> so explain what it is. Whether I've heard about it or
1: not. is a subclinical condition that is associated with many, many different brain disorders. But it's essentially the inability to be able to identify your own emotional experience and talk mm. about
0: it. Okay,
1: many, many people are alexithymia. Alexithymia. And here's what. Why all I learned. Why would a lawyer learn all this?
0: I'm really curious. Why would a so, attorney so learn all of this?
1: Understand my job as a peacemaker and a mediator is to walk, I get paid a lot of money to walk into really intense conflicts and I have to have tools. I have to be immediately diagnosed what's going on and I have to have tools to, under, to help people calm down instantly so that we can, I can help them work through the conflict. All right, so understanding what's going on in those human brains becomes absolutely essential to my work. And if I didn't have this knowledge, I would not be effective. And I know many of my colleagues don't have these skills and they aren't nearly as effective as I am.
0: Are you teaching other attorneys how to do this? Oh
1: yeah, I teach graduate classes at Pepperdine yeah. University. And I do, I go, I, for tomorrow I got an all day workshop with people in the Midwest where we're gonna do some advanced de-escalation training. So wow. oh, yeah, wow. I teach. So, okay, so, so so here, have you ever heard the expression "I'm so angry I could put my fist through a wall"?
0: Oh, absolutely! Not right. only well, have I heard that. Yeah.
1: That's the effect of alexithemia. Ah. people are so angry they can't express their anger, they can't self-regulate because they have no ama- emotional database. So all they can do is act out to get rid of the interoceptive feelings they're having, the affective experience they have. They have to take some physical action, like punching their fist through a wall. All domestic violence comes down to alexithymia
0: let me ask you this because um i've heard a lot of things in my counseling office does that is alexithymia also associated say with um self-harm cutting
1: yes yes
0: Mm -hmm. okay
1: okay so what we what we in as i teach my peacemaking students our goal is to reduce alexithymia
0: Mm-hmm. And the way we
1: do that is through this process that I've just started describing called ethic labeling. And ethic labeling means I'm going to label and reflect back your emotional experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ignore your angry words because they don't mean anything right now. The only thing that's really important is your emotional experience. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, so the second step is I'm going to read your emotional data field. We're hardwired for doing this, but because our, our culture, our Western culture has given privilege to this concept of rationality, which by the way, doesn't exist. Two, we have a, a privilege of rationality over emotions. So emotions are bad, they're weak, they're they're irrational, right? Um, Which is so not we've true. never really it's learned a... how to we've never really been able to tap into this innate ability that we have to read other people's emotions.
0: So, so back up, number one is that you label the, the affect words. that they're in.
1: Ignore Look, the words. Number okay, one. Okay, number
0: one is ignore the words.
1: Number because... two, read the emotions. Okay which we can do automatically and effortlessly and accurately. And I, we're, it's, it's by evolution has put this process into us. Now I'll just speak very quickly to that because some people say, what do you mean read the emotions? How can I do that? Human beings developed the capacity to talk vocabulary 230,000 years ago. Our hominids have been on the planet for millions of years. How did we communicate? before we had vocabulary, before before the hypoglossal muscles and nerves developed sufficiently, and the brain case expanded enough with the advent of the mastery of fire, by the way, which allowed higher calorie intake, mm-hmm. massive calorie intake that allowed the brain to expand and all the nerves and muscles that control our voices to, to grow and develop. We did it because we could read each other's affect. We could read emotions. And we were heart and all the clan. we were all hardwired into being able to nonverbally read what other people are actually experiencing. We and have-
0: that has to do with neuropath or um, mirror neurons in the brain, correct? A
1: little, a little bit, there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of controversy around mirror neurons. I used to oh, think- Oh
0: goodness, everything <laughs> I'm bringing to you, you're, you're really shooting down. I'm gonna have to go back and-
1: <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's a <laughs> so lot, think of, a whole there's lot, of, lot things. of controversy. There's a lot of controversy about that, that. I used to really hype on mirror neurons a lot, but like everything else, it was an oversimplified, somewhat exaggerated, Description of what's really going on.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: So, so number two, we're going to read the emotional data fields. The way we do this, it's really simple. Just shut up. If you have to take a little bit of a breath, you don't need to take a deep breath, take a little bit of breath and just quiet your mind and just be present with this angry person who's spewing all these angers, angry words at you that you're ignoring. And within a second or two, The emotions that this person is experiencing will flow into your consciousness. It happens automatically. You don't have to do anything. And it's almost always 100% accurate. It's always accurate. All right, number three, and this is the hard part. You reflect back the emotions that come in into your consciousness to the speaker, to the angry person using a simple you statement. You are angry. You're frustrated you're enraged you so
0: are- so hold on a minute back up a little bit <laughs> i've got to challenge this dog
1: go ahead
0: You, you take the first <laughs> <laughs> in order to do number three effectively number two and number one you're gonna have to do a whole lot of like grounding no um because
1: I can teach you can master this in less than six weeks, practicing it three times a week. Our brains are hardwired for this. You're simply And, you and it depends the on
0: the other person's readiness. Nope. Okay, so nope. Nope. But, nope. all right, so if a if another person okay, we can't talk about the um the reptilian part anymore, nope. Nope. but he's still key he or she, let's just say he's a he and he's keyed up uh uh-huh. in the moment. Right. And he's hey, hey
1: Joe, man, Joe, you are really pissed off. You're really frustrated. You're angry. You feel completely disrespected. Nobody's hearing you. You feel completely unappreciated. You don't feel supported.
0: And that's what you do to that angry to him, person. To Joe. Okay, so there's an, there's an energy about you, Doug. There's an energy about you that makes that effective.
1: Every Every human being I've ever taught can do this. I've never had anybody not do it. I've had murderers, serial murderers in prison do this and stop prison riots.
0: But you're you're saying it in such a way like if you say, the, uh, so you that, have to say it with confidence.
1: I'm a little more advanced because I control tonality, volume, pacing to match the intensity of Joe who's angry and outraged. So okay, I am- Okay, so gonna,
0: that's what you're getting at is for the person who is, com- it's basically a confrontation basically, right? Not, no, it's not. But you your're match, you have to match that. so you don't want all right. so the person who's ignoring the words.
1: If you are the person who's calming down the angry person, this is a little more advanced. If you're the person calming down the angry words, one of the things you want to do is ma- is come if, if they're he- if they're here, you want to come underneath them a little bit with your tonality, volume, and pacing of your voice.
0: And it has to be controlled.
1: Well, Yeah, but it's easy to do. <laughs> Women can do it just as well as men can
0: okay it's a really, woman who's normally like room. hides under the hides all the time she can learn how to do this within six
1: absolutely minutes. but you're not going to start off by going into the deep end i'll talk about how to practice it in just a second
0: okay all right but
1: the last part of this is the hardest part for most people and that is to reflect back the emotions with a you statement so i'll say judy oh judy you're really upset you're frustrated you don't feel heard. You don't feel appreciated. You feel completely disrespected. You feel like you've been completely abandoned. And you feel really sad because you don't feel loved and you don't feel worthy.
0: And so you're going back to you feel ba- based upon the the um, affect? Emotions. I'm emotions. using emotions. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is if a person I, I can't I almost can't conceptualize this. I need to get your book and read it and figure it out. <laughs> but I'm I'm listening to you and so, I have a whole lot of skepticism. I gotta tell you, Doug. Of I course, do of I course. I do. So course, so because,
1: because it goes flies in the face of everything you've learned.
0: It it does go but also everything I've practiced too. That's right in personal life. I hate so, to
1: tell this to you. But you've been you've been trained you have not been trained correctly. Let me restate this. You were trained with what the knowledge was at the time that you went through your training. The knowledge has completely changed and it repudiates everything. It repudiates hundred years of counseling and therapy. It repudiates it. Absolutely.
0: Okay. When you,
1: you learned how to use I statements, all that Thomas Gordon stuff. Do you know why you know you know why people use I statements when they're talking to angry people?
0: I, you know what, I, I ask people not even to engage when a person is like so okay. keyed up, that's so, what- so,
1: so think about this, so you want to engage them. Remember they're alexithemic. When they're angry and upset, they're alexithemic. They do not have access to their emotional database. If you try to engage them by asking them questions, it's only gonna piss them off because they're gonna get more and more frustrated because they can't access what they're feeling. Right. You've experienced right. that, right?
0: Absolutely, I have. Absolutely. That's right. Well, that's
1: why they are alexithemic in the moment. So, what? Why do we have to label the emotions? Because what I'm literally doing is lending my prefrontal cortex to you for the 90 seconds it takes for your ventral medial prefrontal cortex to come back online and for the emotional centers of your brain, primarily primarily your amygdala, uh, to calm down, to become inhibited, and that's exactly what the brain scanning study shows happens.
0: interesting Interesting. there's
1: there nothing else that's out there has ever been proven by scanning studies to work Mm. this has now here's the thing for parents since we're talking (coughs) talking to parents perhaps and and couples and what the studies show is that when you affect labeling your children starting at about two years old you can actually start earlier than that Mm -hmm. parents who have learned how to affect label their children show that when those kids reach eight or nine years of age they're three to four. Grade levels ahead of their peers academically, mm-hmm. they are socially more liked. They're socially, emotionally more mature, and they take on. They, they, they um, are way more adjusted mm-hmm. than kids who come from normal. What we would call a normal family.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean,
1: it, it's a powerful, profound influence on the ch- children's brains when you affect yeah. the brains.
0: Wow, that's valuable. Very valuable. Now the other
1: thing, the other incentive here is that when if if you're in a relationship with somebody and both of you learn how to do this you will never have a fight or argument again they just they just don't exist
0: well let let address one thing here um let's because what about those who are in relationship with um a person say who is schizophrenic or in a psychotic state
1: the much much more difficult Um, the only, the only personality type or personality disorder where I really don't think this is effective is with, a overt maladaptive narcissist. Hmm.
0: Okay. An overt maladaptive narcissist, which, um, yeah, people are claiming, claiming that they're married to that. Right. But what would be, what, what would be the percentage of folks that are dealing with this kind of relationship?
1: We tend to weigh over label people
0: i know i know and uh, it doesn't I help <laughs>
1: i don't i don't tend to do that i try not to do that yeah um but i've worked with in my work as a mediator and peacemaker i've worked with as, as my both in my prison work and outside in in conflicts that i get called into i've seen all the major personality disorders and the only one that i can't work with is the overt maladaptive narcissist
0: wow and, and i would say your experience in the prisons that you're going to have all flavors of all kinds of things that are showing up. So that's I that's mean, you, fascinating.
1: The, the, the diversity of cognitive capacity from low to high, uh, of of in, innate intelligence from low to high, of education from low to high, of ethnic and diversity. You know, I mean, I mean, it's unbelievable. And the mental illness you see. I mean, it's. But here's the thing. Uh, it works. This works. It works. I have taken men who are gangbangers, violent gangbangers and turn them into powerful peacemakers and mediators.
0: That is amazing. Doug, you are doing a remarkable work. I've learned so much.
1: It's all based on this single idea of listening to and reflecting back somebody else's emotions. Mm, mm. I have reports from parents who say they started affic labeling their two year old who was having severe tantrums. Within four months, the tantrums were gone. That is forever. Uh, I'll tell you another story. It happened earlier this year. I got an email from a guy in May. And he wrote to me and he said, dear Doug, you've never heard of me, but I've got your book and I've taken your online courses. And you were referred to me by my wife who works with your wife. And he, I just wanted to tell you the story. My, I'm, He said, I've got Asperger's, I'm a serial entrepreneur. i made a lot of money, but I, I have a tendency to tell everybody what to do and I don't listen to anybody. And my wife of 25 years finally got, had enough of me and said, time for time out, we're gonna separate. So the other day we were in, in our separate homes, but we were watching our daughter perform in a play virtually over Zoom. And I texted her and I, I just labeled her emotions because mm. she's really happy and proud. I said, you're really happy and proud of our daughter. And she wrote back and she said, you know, there's hope for our marriage yet. Thank, and he said, thank you very much. Oh. Six weeks later, I, get a, I never hear from the guy again. I don't even know who this guy is. I get an email from him. He said, dear Doug, I'm in Maui, with my wife, celebrating her birthday and 25 years of marriage. Thank you very much.
0: Oh, and wow. What a, all what a because remarkable. He,
1: he had the strength and courage to learn these skills, and she did too. And they started using these skills with each other.
0: And you've got, you, you've got a product online where people can go. I do want to know, how how can people get access to your teaching?
1: Uh, so, so I, I created the website. I'm going to give you a, a simple bit.ly link. It's dougnoel.co slash Judy Herman. Oh, thank you
0: very much. You're welcome. All
1: right. We'll for everybody who's listening and on that page, you can get a free ebook that describes everything I'm talking about. You can buy my, my book, Deescalate. Um, you can get a fairly uh, less than $200 course on de- the Deescalate course, a video course. And then if you want to do the emotional work, um, you can, I give you a 50% discount off of fairly expensive Develop Emotional Competency course, two courses that will completely change your life, just as it is for tens of thousands of other people.
0: Wow, Doug, this is amazing. This is amazing. And thank you for your generosity, for sure. Um, this has been quite interesting. I, 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 I'm learning a lot and I'm really drawn now to really delving in to what you're sharing and changing it, a lot of my language in counseling. <laughs> it, is, it
1: is. And I mean, it's sad to say that, uh, there just are not many people in your business who mm-hmm. who follow the neuroscience like i have
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I
1: mean, most of this stuff i what i do is i take the neuroscience that, and i read a lot of it right now i'm studying neuroeconomics um the neuroscience of decision making mm-hmm. and i and uh, when i talk to these guys these men and women who are doing this amazing work they have no clue with the practical applications of the work are they're just interested in you know, what the electrical potential is and the potassium and sodium levels in the, you know, in the, in the axon of the neuron and, you know, what, how all this stuff that's going on at the very micro level in the brain. Mm-hmm. And what I try to do is take that information and walk it back to saying, what is the implication of this in terms of society, in terms of culture, in terms of how we learn and mm-hmm. teach and in, and, in, and in terms of human behavior and how we react to each other?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And,
1: and what I've learned from my, my, all my study is that we've been lied to for 4,000 years wow. by philosophers and theologians who, for their mm-hmm. own purposes, have just not told us the truth about who our essential human nature. And our essential human nature is this. We are 98% emotional and only 2% rational. We are not rational beings. And we cannot, in fact, we cannot even be rational unless we're emotional first
0: that's fascinating that's fascinating yeah and and we walk in the light with which we have don't we and i do i have done and i've got uh mentors in neuroscience dan siegel is one of them and and there's several books i've read but not have delved delved as deeply doug obviously as you have so i'm really eager to learn more thank you so much you're welcome this has been a delight all right. So uh we will sign off and we'll put the link in the show notes and you'll have that. And thank you so much for being my guest. You have given so much value.
1: Well, you know, if I don't do provoke if, if I don't provoke and get you crazed, then I'm not doing my job.
0: <laughs> you stirred me up for sure. There <laughs>
1: you
0: go. Hey, thanks again. You're welcome. I'd like to thank Doug Knoll for sharing his wisdom with us. I must admit, it was challenging for me to hear that almost all of us have been emotionally abused, but he gives us hope. Here's three things to remember. Number one, studies have shown that when parents help their children verbalize their emotions, they become emotionally intelligent and are more well-adjusted than those from normal families. Number two. When spouses learn how to do this with each other, they'll never have a fight again, and number three, the only individual in which this method doesn't work is with the overt maladaptive narcissist. Okay. keyword here is especially if you have narcissism in your relationship, we're talking, the keywords are overt and maladaptive. Okay. So I appreciate also doug's special link so that you can get more resources and learn these powerful methods and that is dougnoll.co forward slash judy herman what stood out to you share your takeaways by going to betterrelationshipsbetterlife.com our next episode is entitled no blame no shame in which Imago therapist Rabbi Shlomo Slatkin tells us how he and his wife created the Marriage Restoration Project. Stay tuned as he addresses resistance and the need for safety and connection. Until then, feel free to share, subscribe, rate, and comment in the streaming platform of your choice. See you next time.